You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. Apologies for the delay in the kickoff of the live stream. I normally, well, over the last few days, have been moaning about builders. Today, I'm going to moan about internet providers because for some reason, my internet connection uh, at home on the entire property is just not working. And so I made the decision about 10 minutes before we were due to go live that I will drive to my grandparents' place, hence all the antiques and all that in the background uh, and the funky wallpaper. Uh, I said, I'll drive here and I'll do the stream from here because they only live down the road. And thank God I left at the moment I did because as I arrived, they were getting in the car to go out. So I just about got here in time for them to let me in. I've set up and we're ready to go. And we're going to be bringing you the two live shows today as planned from a slightly different venue, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so let's uh, let's crack on. Plenty to discuss, as always, when it comes to the mighty Arsenal. Uh, it's been a really sort of um, busy time, uh, you know, covering the Arsenal. I know that there's not been that many matches and they've only been pre-season friendlies and all that, but the transfer news never seems to stop, does it, as far as Arsenal are concerned. And on this edition of the show, we're going to be discussing Cedric Suarez and the right-back situation at Arsenal Football Club. We're also going to be talking about Granit Xhaka's move to Roma, which appears to have hit a little bit of a brick wall. Um, let's say some hellos before we dive into everything. Big hello to Matt, uh, to Keetle, to Mr. Bungle, to Johnny Kryptonite, uh, who says that cabinet is bigger than the one housing Spurs' trophies. Yeah, these guys do love uh, love some fancy china and there's plenty of family heirlooms, heirlooms in there. Uh, I think. Uh, Innie says, thank you, Harry's grandparents. Yep. Uh, Daniel West says, hello, Harry from Glasgow. How did you get Martin Tyler to do you an intro bit? So if you type it in the Chronicles of Aguna, Martin Tyler, I did an interview with Martin Tyler on this show when it very first kicked off. So maybe um, a few years ago now, maybe what, two, two and a half years ago, I had the fortune of meeting Martin Tyler at a, a football networking event. He agreed to come on the podcast. It was fantastic. And he did that for me uh, while we were recording the show. So yeah, you can check that out if you want. Maybe I'll share the link later on. Uh, let's say a big hello to Jake Walker, who says, uh, well done on your work ethic. I see you more than my family. And John Daly says, who do your grandparents support? My grandmother couldn't give a shit about football. Uh, my granddad's not a massive football fan either, but he's, he's says Arsenal because we support Arsenal and the games he has been to he's 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 come with us so yeah uh he'll, he'll tell you he's an Arsenal man anyway let's uh let's get to uh the topics and let's start off with the news about Granit Xhaka and his proposed move to Roma now there's been a lot of talk about this for the best part of a probably a couple of months now it looks as though Granit Xhaka has made his mind up that he wants to leave Arsenal Football Club he wants to move on to pastures new and you know, we've had the debate back and forward time and time again about how important Granite Xhaka is to the side. We've heard people say that, uh, good, you know, good riddance to him. Uh, and we've also heard people say, 
you know, we're going to really, really miss him. I'm more of the, I think we're going to miss him camp because I think what it's going to take Arsenal to replace somebody like Granit Xhaka with either a like-for-like or an upgrade is going to be a lot of money and the kind of money that I think we're going to probably, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't think Arsenal are going to necessarily go and spend 50, 60 million pound on a centre midfielder. I think you're looking at the 30 to 35 million pound bracket, somebody like Ruben Neves, uh, somebody like, you know, uh, of that kind of ilk. And in which case, if you do that, are you definitely 100% upgrading? And if you are upgrading on Jacka, how much of an upgrade is someone like Ruben Neves? I'd say he's an upgrade, but not a massive upgrade. So I've always been a little bit on the fence about this whole transfer in the first place, and I am a little bit worried about it and what's going to come of it, etc., etc. But it looked as though the deal was done. It looked as though Granit Xhaka was, was set to join Roma. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but as of now... The negotiations appear to have hit a bit of a brick wall. Xhaka has reportedly said or indicated to Roma that he does not want to play for Arsenal uh, this season. He doesn't want to be part of the side that takes on Brentford in the opening game of the Premier League season. And so he wants his future resolved before then. Um, Thiago Pinto, uh, one of the big chiefs at Roma, apparently is unwilling to meet the club's valuation of 20 million euros. Uh, he's only going up to around about 15 million euros at the moment with some add-ons in there as well. But yes, Mourinho wants him. Yes, Xhaka wants the move to Roma. But at this moment in time, there is no agreement in place over the transfer fee. Now, as Arsenal Football Club, what do you do here? Because you've got a player that clearly was important to your team last season, whether people want to admit to that or acknowledge that or not. You've also got a player who wants to leave. You've got a player who's indicated that he doesn't believe his future is at Arsenal Football Club anymore. I understand why Granit Xhaka probably feels a little bit disillusioned with not just, um, well, actually, probably more the fan base than anything else. I think Granit Xhaka will feel as though he's been poorly treated, that he's been made a scapegoat at times when you know, he wasn't always the the main issue. I think he, he has had some poor seasons in an Arsenal shirt. I think last season was definitely his best. And I think when we were without him last season, there was a, uh, you could see how, so clearly what a different side we were. So look, it's one of those situations where I think that Arsenal will probably buckle at some point, uh, will probably accept slightly less than they, they want or that they set out to get. And I also think Roma probably know that. Roma know that the player is pushing very, very hard for the move. And as a result, they're not willing to go and, and stretch themselves and meet Arsenal's asking price at this point in the window. Now, if you get towards August 31st, then that that becomes very different, doesn't it? Because Arsenal run the risk of holding on to a player that doesn't want to be there. Roma run the risk of missing out on what they feel is a priority target. So you get into this place where the willingness to to do a deal uh, increases and there is a, almost a bit of a desperation on the part of both clubs who want to see the transfer obviously get over the line and therefore you may see a deal struck or agreed at slightly less than what Arsenal are asking for right now. But at this point in the window, if Roma know the player is pushing and Roma are well aware that he wants to leave and they're aware that moving him on is probably what's holding Arsenal up in terms of going out and getting somebody else in, 
then you can understand why they feel like Arsenal at some point are going to be forced to just accept the terms that are on the table and move him on. Now, Arsenal have been bullied in the past in the transfer window with things like that. But that's not, maybe bullied is the wrong word. It's not Arsenal being bullied. It's Arsenal having been so poor in the way they've managed it, uh, it the managed the situation of the player and of, you know, contracts, etc. that they're in a place where they ultimately have to buckle. So this is a, a one that I do expect to go through, but it is interesting that, you know, we all thought that once the Euros were over, this would get done and this would get forced through and it would happen and it hasn't happened. And we're still in a place where there is no agreement, contrary to reports that have, have sort of been coming out over the last couple of weeks. The latest from Italy is that no agreement is in place. Negotiations have hit a bit of a brick wall. And I think this one's going to go quiet for a bit until maybe we see somebody on whatever side uh, agree to kind of compromise on what it is they want to pay or what it is they want to receive. So, yeah, it's a it's a problem for Arsenal because, as I said, I do think that bringing in another central midfielder and we're going to drop another video on that later tonight about the central midfielders that we feel could come in and replace Xhaka. I think we are in a place right now where Arsenal are being held up by this Granit Xhaka deal. And that's the problem that, you know, that's the problem. Also, though, from from Arsenal's perspective, you know, I think when you consider, as I said, how key he was last season and when you consider how impressive he was at Euro 2020, you can understand why the Gunners don't want to let him go on the cheap, why they don't feel that the 15 million euro plus 3 million in add-ons offer that is currently on the table from Roma is sufficient. They're not happy with that. They don't agree with that. They don't feel like that would be them getting their what the player's worth. And I get all of that as well. But the longer this goes on, the longer Arsenal, in my opinion, can't go out and replace him with a top draw midfielder because we all like Albert Sambi Conga. I think we all agree that he's an exciting prospect. I think we were all impressed by the kind of performance we saw from him at the weekend, albeit friendly against Millwall. But I think we all understand and acknowledge that if Arsenal are going to improve on last season, not just maintain the level that we set, go that one step further, we do need to bring in a more experienced, in my opinion, and a more rounded, maybe, no, maybe not rounded, but a more accomplished centre midfielder in order for us to push on. So I do think that Arsenal are looking at this. Arsenal have put the feelers out, have tested the market, have worked out that actually to replace Granit Xhaka with someone they feel would be an upgrade on him, they're going to have to spend 30, 35 million pounds and they probably want to recuperate as much of that as possible from moving Granit Xhaka on. And rightly so. You know, Granit Xhaka's 28 years old. You could argue he's at the peak years of his career. Uh, Arsenal made a huge investment on Granit Xhaka when they signed him from Borussia Mönchengladbach. It's understood that Arsenal paid around about, in total, including all the add-ons, around about £40 million to get him in. And perhaps more significantly than that, Granit Xhaka is not approaching the end of his Arsenal contract. There are still two full seasons on Granit Xhaka's contract before it runs out. So that's where we're at. Um, but as Matt says, I think this is really well put. Um, there are no other clubs that are serious in their interest for Granit Xhaka at this moment, not that we're aware of anyway, and the player wants to leave. So we're not in the driving seat. And that's why I feel that at some point we will uh, get to the point where we need to just accept it and, and move on.
And uh, as frustrating as that is, let's take some of your questions on the Granite Shaka stuff. Let's get some of your thoughts on the Granite Shaka stuff before we come on to talk about the right back position. But let me just quickly remind you while you get those Xhaka related questions in or midfield related questions in, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, head over to Manscaped.com, enter our discount code, which is 90min, and you'll get 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. What does that mean? It means you can get that bush sorted out uh, with uh, with the lockdown restrictions here in the UK now having been lifted. So as I always say, you might go on a date, it might go better than you planned, and then you'd wish you'd manscape. So check it out. You stand to save yourself a fair chunk of money as well by using our discount code. Details are in the description. Click on the link there to get straight to the website and then discount code is listed there as well uh, in case uh, you don't remember it. But it's 90min20. Let's see uh, what we've got here in the chat box. Assassin General says, Harry, Harry, do you agree that there is a growing concern that we haven't moved players on, which is potentially hindering us from signing players? There's 18 days left till the start of the season. Are you worried? I'm not overly worried at this point because I've always kind of maintained that I still believe that whether it's what we want or not, and obviously it isn't what we want in an ideal world, we'd like to get all our transfers done. But it does feel like with Arsenal, um, we're probably still going to be doing business after the start of the Premier League season. After that game at Brentford, possibly after even the first two, three games, I think that we'll be doing a lot of business still right at the back end of this window. Is it a, a concern that we can't move players on? Yeah, it, it is a bit because Arsenal, you know, we've been touted as having £250 million plus to spend on transfers this summer. And I've always said, you know, yeah, that's great, but I'm not sure how much of that is contingent on Arsenal moving some of these players on. Granite Xhaka, I would have liked to have got at least £20 million for him. I think there's going to be a point where we're going to have to accept that £20 million is not what we're going to get. We're going to be looking at about fifteen, um, you know, and, and that's what Roma's €15 million Euros plus €3 million in add-ons roughly totals up to. Then you've got people like Hector Bellerin who we want to move on. And I think we all thought we could get something for Hector Bellerin. And as it stands, there is no concrete offer on the table for Hector Bellerin. There is interest from a number of clubs in Spain, interest from a number of clubs in Italy, mainly Inter. Bellerin has supposedly indicated that he wants to go to Inter. But again, if they're not willing to stump up the cash to do that deal, then we're in the same place again. So there are a few players I think Arsenal would have felt they could have got some money in for. And at some point, you're going to have to cut your losses and you're just going to have to move them on for whatever it is you can get. From a business perspective, that isn't great and it will leave Arsenal in a place where we probably can't spend as much as we'd like. So, But I do think there are certain, you know, there are certain positions where there is a greater need to move players on than others. And I think central midfield is definitely one of those. You know, we've got Granit Xhaka, who's on good money at Arsenal Football Club and is a, a senior player. You have to make not just space in the squad, but space for whoever comes in on the wage bill. Bellerin is another one on big money who we can't seem to shift at the moment. So, yeah, it is a bit of a concern. And obviously, with every day that passes and Arsenal don't do these deals and are being delayed in other ways, you feel that, you know, you feel worried and you feel concerned and you feel, you know, you're starting to get a little bit more uh, edgy about it all for sure. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Matt says, uh, honestly, I would take the hit. It's less than we want, but we need to sell him before we can get a replacement. 
Uh, Delisu says, why does it seem like we have to break the bank this summer, but everyone else wants our players on the cheap? It's because, Delisu, we don't want these players. And we've made that very, very clear. And as a fan base and as a club, we've kind of indicated to the world that these players are not part of the plans moving forward. I think Granit Xhaka um, is a little bit different because I think his stock is quite high at the moment, probably higher than it's been in the last two or three seasons because of the way he performed last season and because of the fact he had a good tournament uh, in the summer. I think it's what I said, though, you know, these these clubs, they know that Arsenal want to move these players on. They know that they're not part of the plans. And, and as a result of that, they're probably sitting there going, well, actually, um, you know, they want to get rid. We don't want to pay top dollar. Maybe we can't pay top dollar in a lot of cases. And so they'll be quite happy uh, to just um, to just to just try and hold out towards the end of the window and get themselves in a place like Fenerbahce were in with Mesut Ozil, where we just desperately wanted to get rid. Uh, and they cashed in on that and they benefited from that. Um, Schalke got hold of Mustafi, didn't they? Uh, by playing the long game, waiting for him to go, uh, waiting for his contract to be terminated. Socrates ended up at Olympiagos off the back of them, not wanting to make an offer, but holding out and waiting and waiting and waiting until that moment came where his contract was terminated. So these clubs will look at Arsenal and know and understand that Arsenal are going to have to break away from these players at some point and will feel that they stand a greater chance of getting a really good deal later on in the window. Um, Nathan McKibben says, is it possible that the only reason the Cronkies are wanting to spend all this money is because of the Amazon Arsenal series? Uh, I would say no, because I've spoken to someone who was working at Tottenham at the time of the Amazon series that, that they made. And from what I understand, Amazon only paid Tottenham around about 12 to 13 million pounds to get that series done and made. Now, I don't know what Spurs benefited from it afterwards once it was released, etc., etc. But it doesn't seem to me like it's enough money to to basically steer our transfer window in one direction or the other. I think it gives Arsenal a welcome boost in terms of finances, but I don't think it is um it is uh enough to to really dictate the direction in which we go um in terms of the transfer window. Uh Red Luddite says, do you think Xhaka's good form is due to him playing for a move? Possibly. Um you know possibly it's one of those where you maybe it's a little bit unfair to say that he was playing for a move. I think that Granit Xhaka probably um, felt midway through last season that that he wanted to go. Uh, probably, you know, we know he's considered it before, don't we? We know he wanted to go to her to Berlin at one point after that incident happened at the Emirates Stadium with the fans. So. Maybe in his mind, he knew that he wanted to leave the club and maybe that was a bit of a motivation. But I think that what you have to say about Granit Xhaka is post that incident against Crystal Palace, he's been incredibly professional since. He's got his head down. He's got on with it. Oh, there you can hear the grandfather clock. Um, he's He's been incredibly professional. He's got on with things. He hasn't complained publicly or anything like that. He's got on with it. And then... Any time, like he he ended up in a situation where maybe he didn't play his best game, or he made a mistake, or he was asked to cover at left back, which we know is a problem for him. 
the the criticism came again and the, the all of that crap that was going around on social media and the negativity towards him all kind of re-emerged and resurfaced. And I think for him, that's probably the final straw. Back to your question, is he was he in good form because he was playing for a move? Maybe you could say that about the summer, but I don't think you can doubt his commitment, at least when he's on the pitch in an Arsenal shirt and playing for the side. He's a leader. Um, he's given a lot to the team over the last 12 months. Not enough, maybe, in some people's eyes to to, war- to justify the couple of bad seasons he had prior to that. But, yeah, I think it would be a little bit unfair uh, to um, to really dig him out. Um, and, and as Mickey says, I think we have, as a fan base, probably depreciated the value of some of these players with the way that we talk about them, with the way that we treat them, with the way that we uh portray some of their performances i think at times we're right to criticize and we're right to uh you know ask questions about certain players and whether they're good enough to play for the side but i do think we we go over the top at times and that's had a negative impact um just before i move on to the right back thing side says uh harry any updates on the gabriel injury no, uh, not at the moment. The club have been very tight-lipped about this, and I'm not sure uh, what the situation is with Gabriel. I'm sure we'll get more of an indication as the season approaches um, or as it edges closer. I think that, you know, the fact that Arsenal have stayed quiet about it is uh, is maybe not necessarily a good sign, but I don't think Gabriel will be ready for the start of the season. You know, we're talking about, what, 18 days away and he's not even training yet, to my knowledge. He's going to need pre-season. So, yeah, I, I don't expect him to be fit and available for the start of the campaign. But I don't have any detailed update um, on uh, on where we are. Uh, a couple of comments about my beard in the chat. Uh, yeah, it needs sorting. It needs trimming, doesn't it? Um, right, let's uh, move on to uh, the right-back situation. But before I do that, just quickly... Um, I want to ask you guys, if you haven't done so already, to please hit the like button. I can see that there are over 300 of you watching us live right now, but uh, we've only got 44 likes on the board. Uh, Let's get that up to 100 sooner rather than later. It should be really, really easy to do that. Um, Just before uh, I do go on to that right back, let me take one more question from Vishal because I like this one. If it gets down to it and we can't reach an agreement, would you take Diawara plus cash for him? as originally proposed. Um, yeah, I think we I think we have uh, sort of been linked with Diawara in the past. I think he's a player that uh, could do a job in midfield. I think he's a player with a long way to go in terms of getting up to that top, top level. But I think there is potential there. But it goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier on. Is Diawara right now, today, 26th of July, 2021, I had to think about that, an upgrade on Granite Xhaka? My answer would be no. And so I probably wouldn't take him right now because I think if you're looking at potential, if you're looking about a player who can go on to bigger and better things in the future, well, we've got Sambi Lakonga in for that. That's what we brought him in for. But the need is now to replace Granite Xhaka with a ready-made uh, central midfielder who can do as good, a, if not a better job than Granite Xhaka did. It's going to cost us money to do it, um, you know, and, and I think we all recognise that and selling Granite Xhaka would raise a significant proportion of that money. And that's why Arsenal are so desperate to do it, but equally don't want to do it on the cheap. 
So, yeah, th- this is where I am on it. You know, I, I like Diawara, but he's not the answer to replace Granit Xhaka. Um, as I say, we need someone who's ready-made now who can do it straight away. Lekonga is the man for the future. Uh, we've also got Lucas Torreira still on the books. We've got uh, Mohamed Elneny around the club as well. And is he a massive upgrade on those two? I'd argue he probably isn't. Uh, you know, he might go on to be, but right now he's not that far ahead of them, I would say. So, no, uh, not for me is the answer to that. I went around the houses a little bit there, but you got my answer. Uh, right, let's move on to the right-back position just quickly because there's been a lot of talk about the right-back position over the summer. We've discussed Hector Bellerin, the likelihood of him leaving, what that means for Arsenal moving forward. And reports have emerged uh, over the last sort of 48 hours claiming that Cedric Suarez has really, really impressed Arsenal and has really, really impressed Mikel Arteta and is in contention to be the the right back that starts the Premier League campaign. Now, this is really, really interesting because I've talked quite often about how I don't think that Cedric Suarez is a bad right back. I think he's got um, a lot of really good qualities. I think he's pretty good defensively. I think he's quite smart in terms of his positioning, in terms of what he brings to the table. I also think he's got a really good delivery and he's really effective when he gets into the final third. I think he makes things happen. I think he makes the right decisions. And I think he's a really, really underrated fullback. Would I have a major objection to him starting the season? No, I wouldn't if it meant that Arsenal could address other areas. Um, you know, other areas that are seen as as more urgent. So in that sense, I wouldn't be too fussed if, if we did start the season with Cedric and Chambers as our two right-back options. A lot of people have been impressed with Callum Chambers lately. I've been impressed with Callum Chambers lately. There's no getting away from it. I think he's come on leaps and bounds. I think he's been really, really good um, and fair play to him. But for me, I still think that Cedric is, is probably the more complete right back of the two. And that's an unpopular opinion, clearly, right? Because I've, what I've done, and I'll just share the screen with you guys watching us on YouTube at the moment. I did um, a poll earlier on via the Chronicles of Aguna uh, YouTube channel. And I asked the question, if Arsenal don't bring in a new right back this summer and assuming that Bellerin does get his move, who would you prefer to see starting the season? And a staggering 76.3% of you guys Uh, And that's out of 448 votes so far have gone with Callum Chambers. That's a huge majority in Callum Chambers' favour. And I'm quite surprised at that because I think when Chambers did play at right back last season, he did a fairly decent job. I think the two games where Cedric looked a little bit vulnerable and looked as though he'd come unstuck were the two games in which he was tasked or well, he played more than two, but were in the games where he was tasked with playing. tasked with playing at left back. So I'm surprised at that, but I respect the view. I respect the opinion. It's clearly uh, me on my own who thinks that uh, Cedric could do a decent job at right back, at least for the time being, to plug a hole. Uh, But it's good to have two players that you can trust in. And I I do trust in them. I don't think they're elite level. And I think that if Arsenal want to go up to the next level, there will come well, there is a point. We're at the point already where we need to bring in a top right back. But I'm also understanding that we can't do that and bring in a midfielder and bring in an an attacking midfielder, all of the highest quality, all at the same time, all in the same window, especially if we're not getting the funds in that we want to get in for some of the players we're looking to move on. So it is a really difficult position to be in. Um, 
for Arsenal and I think they need to prioritise. And I don't see the right back as the major priority, given that these two guys are available, given that Bellerin's yet to leave the club and given that Ainsley Maitland-Niles is still around the place as well. And he could potentially uh, fill in in that role. I know it's not his preferred role, but tough, tough shit at the end of the day. So uh, that's where we are on the right back situation. Uh, the 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 impressive form of Cedric during pre-season and, and on the training ground has supposedly uh, persuaded Mikel Arteta to shift his attention elsewhere in terms of prioritising who should come in at fullback uh, or in terms of prioritising the positions that he needs to recruit in. So be interesting to see if that's true and how it goes over the course of the next few weeks. Right, uh, going to take a couple of questions from the live chat before we wrap it up. Don't worry, we'll be back again uh, with a show later on. Uh, we'll be talking Ben White, who's, uh, of course, scheduled to have his Arsenal medical at the club uh, this week. Some saying Wednesday, some saying sooner than that. We're also going to talk a little bit more about the latest on Martin Erdegaard's future. Uh, we'll also be taking some more questions during that show as well. So plenty to come. Uh, let's take this question from Delisu, who says, Harry, would it be wise to sell Maitland-Niles if we don't buy a recognised right back this transfer window? Um, I think it's a tough one with Maitland-Niles because if he just really doesn't want to play there, then, then kind of what do you do? You know, you're, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. He doesn't want to be there. Do you prioritise the team and basically hold back the, the young player? in terms of moving on in his career. Does that go down well? Is that, I guess, ethically the right thing to do? I don't know. It's tough. Um, it is really, really tough. But I just feel when it comes to Ainsley Maitland-Niles, I think it's he's either got to agree to want to be this utility man slash right back slash right wing back and make one of those positions his own whilst being able to cover us in other areas because that's what his strength is, his versatility. Other than that, I don't look at him and go, oh, he's a top draw right back or he's a top draw left back or he's a top draw centre midfielder. I think Maitland-Niles' strength is in the fact that he can play in a variety of positions. So I think he's either got to accept that role or you move him on. And I think that we do have sufficient cover at right back, even if he was to leave. Remember, there is no European football for Arsenal this uh, this summer. You also, this season, I should say, you also got to remember that Ben White, who's coming in, can play there if need be. You've got to think about uh, the fact that, you know, we've got so many different, um, you know, options at this moment in time that I think it's probably just time to move him on if if uh, if he doesn't want to be part of that squad, part of the squad in the capacity of which I'm describing. Uh, let's take this one from Daniel. Thank you very much for your kind super chat, Matt. Mate, really appreciate it. He says, uh, you are a fantastic journalist. I wish your channel all of the success in the world. Harry, I don't see Omar. I really hope he's okay. Yeah, I haven't seen Omar in the chat today. Omar's one of our regulars. He's normally there. But thank you very much uh, for your donation. As I say, and I'm sure Omar's fine. I'm sure we'll see him very, very soon. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, let's take this one finally from Yo-Yo Madison slash Odegaard and Locatelli slash Neves. Which duo works best with Partey? Well, that's dependent on the way the manager wants to play. I think Madison and Odegaard, you're talking... Oh, right, hold on. So you're asking me one of Madison and Odegaard and one of Locatelli and Neves. Well, I think Locatelli's a better player than Neves. So Locatelli would be my answer on that front. And up front, or, or further forward, I should say, in the more advanced midfield role, 
it's hard to say about Madison. With Odegaard, we've seen it. And I think Odegaard is a really, really good player. We're going to come on to talk about him a little bit later on. I think Madison is unrealistic. So based on that, if I could choose, uh, putting the finances aside, I'd, I'd still go Odegaard Locatelli, I think. I think that is a better fit. I think Odegaard has a higher ceiling than Madison. People will slag me off for that. People will say that's controversial and disagree with it. But I think Odegaard has the potential to go on and become a world-class player. Um, and I think Madison is a very good Premier League player. So I think they, their ceilings are very different. Obviously, potential, if you don't fulfil it, doesn't mean a great deal. And I get all of that. Uh, but I just I have a feeling about Odegaard that he can go on to bigger and better things. Uh, thank you, Daniel, for your second uh, super chat donation. Uh, I'm not sure why you're asking me about the new 50 pound notes. I haven't seen them. Uh, I'm a I'm a plastic man nowadays. Uh, very rarely have cash on me. Um, so no, I haven't seen them. Random question, but thanks anyway. Right, we're going to leave it there. We'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal-related content. As I said, we'll be talking Ben White, we'll be talking Martin Odegaard and taking some more of your questions later this afternoon, live right here on the YouTube channel. If you are an audio listener, that episode will be available to you from first thing on Tuesday morning. I'll catch you all very soon. Until later, take care of yourselves and stay safe. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.